Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, published by our very fine friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. Or if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see a drop-down menu under which you will find read ACIMOE. That same drop-down menu, there's an option to subscribe to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the text reading that we share here this morning as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles, Section 1, Principles of Miracles. Today we'll be reading paragraphs 82 through 91. That covers Miracle Principle 50 and part of Miracle Principle 51. 50 and part of 51 today. All about time. We're also mindful of our lesson, lesson number nine. I see nothing as it is now. And every now and then you run across a poem that that has such carefully chosen words that its effect is just almost palpable. And this is one of those poems. And I was led to it um, as a reflection on what can be seen when I see now. Uh, It's a poem from Shailen Harkin in her book, Susceptible to Light. And uh, just let yourself hear it. I think you'll get it. The poem is called Contemplating the Flamboyance of a Pineapple. We live in a physical world where birds sing and fly and weird roosters welcome the dawn and seeds tinier than fingernails become trees. Where people like Dr. Seuss exist and we respond to his work because it reminds us of the fantastical nature of reality. Where people not only have minds, but use these things called minds to become masters of art, to make pistachio-flavored ice cream, to create airplanes, to practice understanding. We live in a world where clouds drink up rivers and oceans and drop them back on our heads, where oceans match our tears and rain looks like tears, and sunlight and moonlight match different moods of our hearts, and there are stars that can't stop pinning themselves like items to flare to the black work coat of our universe. And where there's a creative force that's cool enough to have created giraffes or to have created an evolution brilliant enough to create giraffes and wonderful enough to have planted compassion in the human heart and other astounding forces within this small rhythmic organ that can grow to be even more mighty and grand and giving than those huge trees grown from tiny things smaller than your fingernails. I see nothing as it is now. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thanks for that. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Interesting. 
Superb. Wonderful. Thank you. Send it to me. I want it. Poetry. <laughs> Poetry is so wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just like the workbook lesson. Totally. It achieves its outcome. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you liked it. I couldn't resist it. Um, all right, my friends. Here's our reading list this morning. We have Fran, <clears throat> Robin Bree, Lana, and Jessica. And so far, Harrison and Judy are listening. If anyone else joined us, like to be on the reading list this morning. Uh, this is Lemoyne. I can read. Thank you, Lemoyne. Excellent. Okie dokie. So, we're taking up um, just one introduction to miracles, section one, principles of miracles, beginning today at paragraph 82, miracle principle 50. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. In the longitudinal or horizontal plane, the recognition of the true equality of all the members of the sonship appears to involve almost endless time. However, the sudden shift from horizontal to vertical perception, which the miracle entails, introduces an interval from which the doer and receiver both emerge much farther along in time than they would otherwise have been. Um, Bumbrey. Miracle Principle Number 50, Paragraph 82. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. In the longitudinal or horizontal plane, the recognition of the true equality of all the members of the sonship appears to involve almost endless time. However, the sudden shift from horizontal to vertical perception, which the miracle entails, introduces an interval from which the doer and the receiver both emerge much farther along in time than they would otherwise have been. 83. The miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. Thank you, Robin Marie. And huh? does anybody remember? Who, oh, there it is. <laughs> Lost my page. Oh, Fran, I did that wrong, didn't I? That's okay. Let me read <laughs> now. Right. Yes, I do. Okay. Thank you. Paragraph 83. <clears throat> the miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. 
There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. Paragraph 84. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it and thus abolishing certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger temporal sequence. It establishes an out-of-pattern time interval which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in this sense is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time. Much as daylight saving time does, it rearranges the distribution of light. Thank you, Fran. Um, Atlanta. Okay. Um, 84. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it and thus abolishing certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger temporal sequence. It establishes an out-of-pattern time interval which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in this sense is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time. Much as, the, much as daylight saving time does, it rearranges the distribution of light. This Miracle Principle 51. The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. Thank you, Lana. Uh, Jessica. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Miracle Principle 51, paragraph 85. The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. 86. The miracle is much like the body in that both are learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of direct communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. While he believes he is in a body, however, man can choose between loveless and miraculous channels of expression. He can make an empty shell but he cannot express nothing at all. He can wait, delay, paralyze himself, reduce his creativity to almost nothing, and even introduce a developmental arrest or even a regression, but he cannot abolish his creativity. He can destroy his medium of communication, 
but not his potential. Thank you, Jessica. Hi, Lemoyne. The miracle is much like the body in that both are learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of direct communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. While he believes he is in a body, however, man can choose between loveless and miraculous channels of expression. He can make an empty shell, but he cannot express nothing at all. He can wait, delay, paralyze himself, reduce his creativity to almost nothing, and even introduce a developmental arrest or even a regression. But he cannot abolish his creativity. He can destroy his medium of communication, but not his potential. Man was not created by his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his to decide. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. <clears throat> time can waste as well as be wasted. The miracle worker, therefore, accepts the time control factor gladly because he recognizes that every collapse of time brings all men closer to the ultimate release from time in which the Son and the Father are one. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, and would there be a new reader for paragraph 87 and 88? I'm in. I'd love to. Thank you, Lori. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Jude, and after you, then Diana, huh? Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Okay, here we go. Man was not created by his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his to decide. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than it's necessary. Time can waste as well as be wasted. The miracle worker, therefore, accepts the time control factor gladly because he recognizes that every collapse of time brings all men closer to the ultimate release from time in which the Son and the Father are one. Equality does not imply homogeneity <laughs> I got too many syllables there. <laughs> homogeneity now. Homogeneous homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions to the capital sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared 
by all the capital sons of God. God is not partial. All his children have capital his total love. And all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. I'd like to read that again. All his children have his total love, and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Except ye become as little children means that unless we fully recognize our complete dependence on God, we cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Capital Father. Thank you, Judy. Uh, Diana. Number 88. Equality does not mean homogeneity, um, which is equality of all. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions of the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared by the sons of God. God is not partial. All of his children have his total love, and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Except ye become as little children means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. 89. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is required by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack of definition. It involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And would there be another new reader then for paragraph 89 and 90? It's Harrison. I can read now. Thank you, Harrison. 89. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. Never really wanted peace before. So there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is by anyone unless he wants to learn it. 
and believes in some way that he needs it. Well, the concept of that does not exist in the creation of God. It is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. Need implies that, by definition, involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. Until the quote-unquote separation, which is a better term than the quote-unquote fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. Great paragraph. Thank you, Harrison. And would there be another new reader for 90 and 91? Ninety and ninety one. Right back to you, Fran. Until the quote unquote separation, which is a better term than the quote unquote fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. 91. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is, that is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. 
This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because, having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. Thank you, Fran. And Robert Marie, you can finish today with paragraph 91, please. Ninety-one. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is. That is what he lacks. That is what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because, having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. Thank you, Robin Marie. And thank you, everyone who read this morning uh, about these so critical, important ideas about time. Um, I wonder, would we like to read it again through, paragraph by paragraph? I'm in agreement. Yeah. Yes. I think so, too. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Jade. We'll read it to you. Let's see. Okay. Um, Is everyone who read uh, still willing to read? Yeah. Yes. All right. Yes. Anyone who has not, anyone who has not had a chance to read would like to read. All right. Your listener, we'll read to you. Here we go. Um, we'll do it in reverse order. We'll, that will be Harrison, Diana, Judy, Lemoyne, Jessica, Lana, Robin, Marie, Fran, and I think uh, there's one extra paragraph that I might read. Okay. So go ahead, Harrison, and start us off in paragraph 82, Miracle Principle 50. Please and thank you. Miracle Principle 50. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time and the longitudinal or horizontal plane recognition of the true equality of all the members of the sonship appears to involve almost endless time. 
However, the sudden shift from horizontal to vertical perception, which the miracle entails, introduces an interval from which the doer and the receiver both emerge much further along in time than they would otherwise have been. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, Diana? Uh, Could you tell me what number that is again, please? Sorry, that would be paragraph number 80. Thank you, Harrison. Number number 80, iBridge? Be paragraph 83. 83. Oh, 83. Okay. Okay, thank you. The miracle um, thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learners that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Judy? Here we go. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it. I just love this. I love this. And thus abolishes certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger temporal sequence. It establishes an out-of-pattern time interval, which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in the sense is, is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time, much as daylight saving time does. It rearranges the distribution of light. Boy, have I got a story about that. (laughs) Thank you, Judy. Um, And Lemoyne. Miracle Principle 51. The miracle is the only device which man has at his disposal. Excuse me. The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. Thank you, Lamar. And Jessica? Okay. Paragraph 86. 
The miracle is much like the body in that both are learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of direct communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. While he believes he is in a body, however, man can choose between loveless and miraculous channels of expression. He can make an empty shell, but he cannot express nothing at all. He can wait, delay, paralyze himself, reduce his creativity to almost nothing, and even introduce a developmental arrest or even a regression, but he cannot abolish his creativity. He can destroy his medium of communication, but not his potential. Thank you, Jessica and Lana. Excuse me, paragraph 87. Man was not created by his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his to decide. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. Time can waste as well as be wasted. The miracle worker, therefore, accepts the time control factor gladly because he recognizes that every collapse of time brings all men closer to the ultimate release from time in which the Son and the Father are one. Thank you, Anna. And Robin Marie. 88. Equality does not imply homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared by all the sons of God. God is not partial. All his children have his total love, and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Quote, except you become as little children, unquote, means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. Thank you, Robin Marie and Fran. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is acquired by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves a recognition 
that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. Thank you, Fran. Um, would there be a new reader for paragraph 90? Uh, Lemoyne, your paragraph was really short. Would you mind reading paragraph 90, please? Uh, <clears throat> nope, I don't mind. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Until the, quote, separation, which is a better term than the, quote, unquote, fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. Thank you, Lemoyne. So, paragraph 91. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is, that is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. Which is where we'll end for today. Thank you everyone who read and everyone who listened and everyone who uh, deeply considered these ideas in their own mind. Uh, thank you. And let's see here. Oh dear, well, we're just about at the top of the hour uh, where we can take a little pause and and reflect on reorganizing some of these ideas with our lessons. So Fran, I'll turn it over to you uh, again. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. We have an introduction, and we are on today, Lesson 9. I see nothing as it is now. So I shall read a little from the introduction, and then we'll go over to the lesson and do our five-minute practice. Part 1, Introduction. A theoretical foundation, such as the text, is necessary as a background to make these exercises meaningful. Yet it is the exercises which will make the goal possible. An untrained mind can accomplish nothing. The exercises are very simple. They do not require more than a few minutes, and it does not matter where or when you do them. They need no preparation. They are numbered, 
running one to one to three sixty five. The training period is one year. Do not undertake more than one exercise a day. The purpose of these exercises is to train the mind to a different perception of everything in the world. Whatever your reactions to the ideas may be, use them. Nothing more than this is required. We'll go over to the lesson. I'll read some from the lesson. Lesson nine, I see nothing as it is now. This idea obviously follows from the two preceding ones. Well, while you may be able to accept it intellectually, it is unlikely that it will mean anything to you as yet. However, understanding is not necessary at this point. In fact, the recognition that you do not understand is the prerequisite for undoing your false ideas. These exercises are concerned with practice, not with understanding. These exercises, for which three or four practice periods are sufficient, involve looking about you and applying the idea for the day to whatever you see, remembering the need for its indiscriminate application and the essential rule of excluding nothing. For example, I do not see this typewriter as it is now. I do not see this key as it is now. I do not see this telephone as it is now. Begin with things that are nearest you and then extend the range. I do not see that coat rack as it is now. I do not see that face as it is now. I do not see that door as it is now. It is emphasized, again, that while complete inclusion should not be attempted, specific exclusion must be avoided. Be sure you are honest in making this distinction. You may be tempted to obscure it. Lesson 9, I see nothing as it is now. Five minutes.
Now I'll read the one paragraph from the review of Lesson 9. I see nothing as it is now. If I see nothing as it is now, it can truly be said that I see nothing. I can see only what is now. The choice is not whether to see the past or the present. It is whether to see or not. What I have chosen to see has cost me vision. Now I would choose again that I may see. Lesson 9. I see nothing as it is now. Amen. 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 Well done, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. Every time we do these lessons, it uh, just really, uh, I seem to uh, think that I didn't meet them before. And this is after many, many years. it's so refreshing because I go to the heart of the matter. Um, I put a lot of faith in what my eyes and my senses um, seem to tell me. And I interpret everything based on what I see and hear. And my feelings uh, and decisions are all predicated on what I think I see and hear. Well, that's a book, a novel, uh, or listening to television, watching a movie. Um, My uh, thoughts about myself, others, and the world seem to be determined. And in one sense, are determined by uh, these experiences. And yet, uh, of course, is telling me that uh, and, and, and that's a false belief system that 
I have constructed uh, based on uh, what my senses are telling me. Um, a young lady who um, attended uh, the group I led, uh, she and I are still in contact electronically. And she's starting again to do the lessons. And uh, in one of her sets, she said, you know, I don't understand uh, this lesson. And uh, I think she raised a very important point because we put a lot of faith in being able to understand uh, things based on our experience uh, as bodies, as so-called human beings. And uh, our whole education system, both formal and informal, uh, is based on uh, the success in that system, is based on understanding and being able to articulate uh, how well we understand something. And then you have the course come along and basically says, uh, your understanding isn't necessary. Um, in fact, uh, there's a a friend of mine always uses, and I don't know if I can recall it correctly, uh, but you, what says you believe that your understanding is, uh, is necessary. I'm sure somebody uh, remembers that quote correctly, uh, but it's not necessary for the truth, um, we don't need to understand, but we do need to accept uh, what the Course is trying to get us to accept. To say, I see nothing as it is now, is to directly challenge our belief system. Uh, because when I look at this book, I think I'm seeing a book. And what the Course is telling me is, no, that's not sight. Seeing is really seeing beyond what my senses are telling me and realizing there's a fundamental truth beyond what our senses are telling us. And that fundamental truth is I am as God 
created. I have always been a tiny mad idea had absolutely no effect. I have never separated from God. And when I totally and completely accept that idea, I can watch what happens around and what appears to be to me, except that it has no effect whatsoever. I'm Thank you, Harrison. That was very, um, very complete. Thank you. Ooh, love it. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. I so um, so agree with what you just said, uh, and um, identify with the with the truth from what I've learned um, through doing lessons and doing studying the text, practicing it in my daily life. Um, you know that that it says that specifically in the lesson today, that understanding's not necessary at this point in doing the lesson. Now. We all, most of us anyways, I recognize, because you've been with me in doing these lessons for uh, at least a couple of years that I'm aware of. And, um, you know, that what we've learned through doing the lessons does not negate the fact to me that I've been given certain specific instructions for doing these lessons, that these are a gift. And this is something that I'm finding particularly meaningful, putting my confidence and trust. This is, a, is um, like Lana says, you have to use trust in order to be trusting. I don't know how you say it, Lana, but, you know, I have to practice trust. I have to practice putting faith, putting my conviction, putting my identification with um Christ consciousness with the voice of the Holy Spirit in giving me these lessons and trusting that he's going to be doing the undoing because that's what the first half of the whole workbook is, the undoing of the ego. So I can't, he can, and I'll let him. <laughs> and I'm just all down with that. You know, I'm going to practice specifically that um, I'm going to apply this lesson I see nothing as it is now, specifically, without any, um, including anything in particular, um, not excluding anything. And, you know, trying to let go of what I think I already understand, because I still believe in the reality that I am a body and that this world is real. And that is what perception is about. When the mind split from God, it made the body. It made perceiving its own levels and wanting and willing to perceive at its own levels made the instrument of perception necessary. That's why the body was made in the explanation of the text to me. 
That was the split. Perception is different from knowing, knowledge, the oneness, the completeness, the wholeness, the perfection. So anything that I perceive with this instrument called a body, sensorial instrument of perception, is by definition false. The recognition of what is the same and what is different is that simple one fact. That's what enables me to let go of judging anything and everything, including myself in the body, anything I think, say, or do in this body. It's just that simple. It's all-inclusive, and nothing is excluded from that. (laughs) You know, it's like, is this real? Is this true? I've been asking myself that that since 2004, and this is what the Holy Spirit has enabled me to, to go to stillness and rest in peace and recognize nothing outside of what Judy sees through vision has any effect on her whatsoever. This reality can't touch the truth of who I am. That is simply a fact. And um, that miracles, I'll finish with this, my little story about miracles collapsing time because I was really, really into that idea. I've always been really into that idea. How does... How does Christ witness for me if I let him? I'm going to let allow Christ to witness for me fully to the full extent for me today. And um, I was on a, heading on a boat trip to go out to an island, and it was um, an hour drive to get to the boat. And I was supposed to meet a friend, and I couldn't meet him. So he left without me. I was running late. And I was talking to him. And I was about a half an hour behind him, and I said, I don't know whether I can make it, make the boat before it leaves, but I'll give it my best shot. And I prayed, and I said, Christ, nothing's impossible, and I want to be on that boat with Cliff and my friends, and I want to go to that island for this meeting we're going to have at the library. It was an AA meeting, and I I didn't. <laughs> Christ collapsed time for me, and I got there before Cliff. I got there before. I got there parked and got on the boat, and it's like a 15-minute walk from the parking lot to the boat. Check in, got on the boat, and I beat Cliff and sat down and was on the boat before Cliff. And that was, that was a miracle collapsing time in real, in real life, Jude's real life. <laughs> We still talk about that one. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. I had had something to share about the reading. This is Robin Marie. It was in paragraph 83, um, which is collapsing time. It does this, um, it substitutes for learning that might, that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. And I thought, wow, when Jesus healed people, and he healed people with, with uh the love of God and knowing that they were holy 
that the holiness in them was the same as the holiness in him and that Christ heals us today with that same underlying recognition of the perfect equality of holiness. It's just awesome. Thank you. Yes, it is, Robin Marie. Thank you very much. That is essentially uh, what healing and the miracle is. Thank you very much. This is Lori, and um, you know, this is these few paragraphs here about Miracle Principle 50 and 51. Uh, they really, really lend themselves to a, to a stepwise uh, look that lends more light to the topic. And so, um, I'd like to just kind of look at a few paragraphs if you don't mind indulging me. <clears throat> for a little bit. But as regards Miracle Principle 50, a few things stand out for me in that paragraph. First of all, a miracle is a learning device. A miracle is a learning device. Now when I think about that, what that says to me is there's something I don't know and there's something I need to learn. And um, And so... A miracle, a miracle is a choice I can make that acknowledges I don't know. I don't know what the truth of this situation is. And then he adds to it, uh, if I can accept what the truth of this situation is, I will have saved a lot of time. Uh, that makes it fairly attractive uh, to ask what the truth of something is. Uh, saving time, you know, to a person, if I think I'm in a body, translates to saving effort. Um, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to just talk about the fact that it's a learning device <clears throat> that changes, he says. There's a sudden shift in awareness from the horizontal axis, the horizontal axis being the relationship of me to creation, a uh, sudden shift in my relationship, how I see myself in relation to uh, my brothers and creation, from that axis to the vertical axis. In other words, <clears throat> something enters into that horizontal relationship that renders um, truth holy in my awareness. That's That's pretty awesome. Um, sudden shift that lessens the need for time. Both the doer and the receiver emerge farther along in time than they might otherwise have been. <clears throat> I can think of a of a miracle that um, I can think of lots of miracles that are like that, but um, one in particular uh, involved uh, my brother in a sense of exclusion that he was perceiving. 
and it was such that I I didn't know what to do about the situation, but I knew it wasn't right. Um, and so I asked. I asked. I I even asked. I don't even know how to pray, but I asked for how to pray about this and the words. <laughs> it's amazing but the words and how to pray were given me and later on I could share those same words with my I'm talking about the little my literal brother my little brother I could share those same words with him and come to find out those same words had tremendous significance to him uh, physically and in his mind um, Indeed, uh, we both emerged further along in time that we might otherwise have been aware of the fact that we were communicating. We were both communicating with something greater than ourselves. The learning device that lessens the need for time. We're both emerged um, further along than they might otherwise have been, shifting from the horizontal to the vertical axis. Um, I'll never forget that particular miracle uh, because it was so very Christ-controlled. It had um, seemingly many moving parts, but in all the moving parts, all I needed to do ever was to recognize the disturbance of my peace and that I didn't know what the truth was or what to do. And I just think that's, that's amazing and it reflects to me um, and we're going to talk about separation in a minute. It's, separ it, it's a perfect reflection of the notion. Uh, and he says it like this, the separation, the separation or the fall, whatever term you care to use for that, that sense of alienation from God was not a loss of perfection or holiness. It was not a loss of holiness. It was a failure in communication. And uh, that paragraph, paragraph 82 um, and 83 and 84, um, and every paragraph really, um, reflects the restoration of communication which is essentially uh, what a miracle represents. Further along in time, um, shifting from the horizontal relationship of unity to the vertical axis of the source of unity. That's why um, the, real, the real miracle is the source of love from which it springs, you know? Um, so that's one thing I wanted to say. The other thing, a little bit later on, he'll get really specific about this saving time. And he says, the miracle heals the past in the present and frees the future. Because of healing the past in the present, healing the past in the present, it frees the future. Boy, if that isn't just um, a really excellent description of how miracles save time. They heal broken relationships that seem to have been broken in the past, somehow fragmented, healing them in the present and liberating the future to love. Miracles collapse time. <laughs> <laughs> 
lessen the need for time, a learning device. <clears throat> and then in Miracle Principle 51 or paragraph 85, a miracle is the only device at man's immediate disposal for controlling time. Um, I, I'm going to back up a minute. Lessening time and controlling time. Uh, to reflect for just a minute on Miracle Principle 42, which was wholeness, the miracle of wholeness, the miracle corrects or atones for faulty perception of lack anywhere. That's the essential nature of the miracle, is that it corrects or atones for faulty perception of lack anywhere. Now, I'm having a moment, let's say, I'm having a moment where I'm frightened. I'm having a moment where I don't know what to do. I'm having a moment where I don't know the truth of a situation. In that moment, I have an immediate device. I can ask for the miracle, which will correct for my faulty perception of a lack. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But um, that's the essential nature of the miracle. I, I seem to have a problem. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I'm uncertain. I'm afraid. Um, whatever perception of lack I might be experiencing, recognizing it's a lack of communication, I can ask for the miracle, which is my immediate, the only device at my immediate disposal for controlling time. That's mind-boggling to me. All I have to do is ask, what is the truth of this? What is the truth of this? <clears throat> and my faulty perception of lack my faulty perception of lack will be restored at my immediate disposal. In paragraph 87, he says, the miracle worker accepts this time control factor gladly. Um, I'm thinking of a quote that says, who is the love of God in him? would find the, the choice between miracles or murder hard to make. <laughs> um, you bet I'll accept that time control factor <clears throat> gladly. Um, then in 89, he makes, uh, seems like a sudden turn. You who want peace, recognize you can only have it by complete forgiveness. Um, that's a very loaded sentence that um, I think is worthy of taking into inquiry. Um, <clears throat> help me understand, Father, what forgiveness is. What have I misperceived? What have I misperceived <clears throat> that's causing me to experience a lack of peace? What have I failed to understand? What have I projected onto the present that's disturbing me? Have I projected onto the present something that's disturbed my peace of mind? How is it I'm experiencing 
lack when in the presence of communication and fullness I could be experiencing something else what have I failed to think what if I thought wrongly what is the truth of this you know once again um, my willingness to release my misperception which is forgiveness um, allows Holy Spirit to restore the truth of the situation to my mind that's forgiveness is no more complicated than that and that's why that's why um, the miracle of forgiveness that's why, that's why miracles are the consequence of forgiveness that's why miracles and forgiveness go hand in hand they're opposite sides of the same coin hand in glove you might say it took me a long time to realize that <clears throat> but it's so critical uh, this miracle principle 51 um, that I recognize the idea of lack the idea of lack of communication the idea that there's not an answer for my problem the idea that um, everything isn't already just perfect that idea interferes with me in, in every dimension of my life and um, when I can ask for a correction of that I am accepting atonement for myself and and I will have to do that many many times <laughs> I have had to do that many many times but the answer is always available and um, and the correction of my perception of lack is the Holy Spirit's whole purpose the restoration of my relationship to, to my father and to his creation so um, I accept that gladly and I'm complete there's just one unmuted line I'm going to tap for a second <clears throat> so thank you for listening I, I really enjoy uh, these nine or ten paragraphs here they're so very helpful uh, as a summary of why wholeness is the perceptual content of miracles correcting for the perception of lack anywhere I'm complete Thank you, Lori. That was fun. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori, for your clarity. Yeah, and I'm really taken by this this idea of um, time wastes me and I waste time. The the idea that I need and waste time in 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 um, pursuing pursuing trivial aspects of my life and organizing my time in order to do things and I think you know the little story that I shared um, really in in my um, asking Christ to um, witness for me that there is no order of difficulty in miracles and miracles are correction of my of my um, 
mistaken perception that I that I am a limited being, and um, in space and time, and I think you know I I really came I came to that 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 situation with that in mind that there was nothing impossible for God, and that I was not limited to space and time, how fast my car would go, or how fast my body could go in my car. I just gave it to him, and I said, you know, witness to me, if you will. And um, the the release from limitations um, is what the miracle is about, the, the, the misperception of that we are limited to 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 the body in space and time. And, you know, recalling, you know, my use of the holy instant, which, Lord, I think you, you, you spoke of in, in um, your share that, you know, I, I let go of everything I think I know, I believe, about me in this world, and I let go of my idea of myself as being a body. And in that open-mindedness and that open-heartedness, I let go of the beliefs in space and time. And, and that in the holy instant, he reveals the truth to me. Now, you know, it's not so much, it's not so important that I made the boat on time, which was, you know, what the Course would re- refer to as the healing. You know, it's like, okay, that's, that's not the purpose of miracles to 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 prove the truth it's to reveal the truth to me that i am not limited by space or time and it the important thing isn't so much that i made the boat on time which was just fun and and, and a part of the story but the the importance of it is is the the revelation of the truth that the miracle precedes revelation and the the revelation is the understanding, the furthering, deepening understanding of the truth to me. So um, using the means, holy instant, that only in the present moment, eternal now, is where my misperceptions of being in time and space can be corrected. And how the collapse of that um, perception of time was, was the revelation that time really is is an illusion to me that I'm not limited by it and you know I it's not like I use that as a tool all the time but the um the the means the means are are always with us the holy spirit's always with us christ consciousness awareness is always already here and now and um in any way that I, I, I need to deepen my understanding of it, I can use daily inconsequential situations and circumstances to, to do it, um, saying, you know, what I think I need at the grocery store, and then asking him, what do I really need? And then him paring down my shopping list, and then... And then when I go to the store, going exactly where I need to go in order to find what I actually do need. So in that way, I'm collapsing, collapsing and saving time. Even in the, you know, the, the, the most practical ways, he helps me to do these things. So mm-hmm. thank you for letting 
me share. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Ever practical. Who haven't we had a chance to hear from this morning? Who doesn't go to the grocery store and buy a whole lot of stuff they don't need? (laughs) Forget my list? (laughs) Anyone? Okay, this is Wendy. (laughs) Hi, Wendy. Hi, y'all. Um... Years ago, when I was in a channeling session, uh, Spirit said, talk to us about, you know, everybody was concerned about lack. And Spirit asked us to envision a river of money coming right through the room we were all in. And so then maybe a month ago, I got this message from Spirit referring back to that river of money. This is a quote from Spirit. And God says, help yourself. You don't need my permission. I created it for you. It never runs dry and is always flowing towards each and every one. Do you believe I will resent you if you help yourself? Do you think I think you don't deserve it? Do you think I will run out if you help yourself? Do you think that I think you love money more than you love me? Do you think that I think you should work hard for it? Do you think that I want you to feel guilt or shame? Little child, you don't remember me as I am. I know you better than you know yourself. You are my beloved child, my joyous extension. I want you to have everything you choose. If it's money, by all means, help yourself. It can only give you greater freedom. In a universe where anything can be created, why not? Why not express abundance and wealth, health and freedom? Show the world what a mind in loving relationship with its source can express. Love, freedom, joy, ease, grace, the real gifts. All is well, all is well. I'm complete. Wendy, thank you so much. What a perfect, perfect share. Thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Love you. Love you too, Harrison. Talk about correction for faulty need lack. <laughs> you just said it all, didn't you? Another statement that um, Spirit made to us is that you are not the servant of time. Time is your servant. I'm complete. Thank you. Any any further shares this morning? 
I know there are those we haven't heard from. Okay, well, I thought of another thing uh, that's reflected in these paragraphs. Um, tomorrow there'll be um, a lot more discussion about needs and need hierarchy and um, and uh, that sort of thing. And so I think it's uh, probably helpful, maybe, uh, to clarify a little bit in paragraph 91. Everyone asks, well, for the paragraph right before that um, had to do with behavior and the body being the mechanism for behavior and behavior being a, a consequence of what one thinks one is um, and what one needs. It, it's... Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because the sentence, the concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because having made this fundamental error that is perceived himself as lacking, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. And people ask a lot of times, what does he mean by levels? and fragmented, man is fragmented into levels. And all that means is that um, having perceived or believed or felt himself separate from his creator, um, a need hierarchy arose out of which, um, the need hierarchy arose out of the levels that man perceived. All he's saying is because man perceives himself now as being a person or a mind in a body uh, with, and perhaps not at all, but with a spirit, the fundamental levels of mind, body, and spirit arose. And out of each of those uh, levels, man perceived different levels of lack, and that led to the whole need hierarchy. Um, for those of you in the helping professions, I'm sure familiar with Maslow's hierarchy, you know, the basic physical needs of the body, uh, the safety needs of the person, the belongingness and love needs of um, the mind and spirit, the esteem needs of the self, and finally, the need to transcend that sense of um, boundary itself you know, need hierarchy, arose out of the basic uh, levels that man divided his awareness into, body, mind, and spirit. Um, the beautiful thing about the miracle is that, um, as he says at the end of paragraph 91, as man becomes one in himself, healed of the sense of levels, body, mind, and spirit, or whole, uh, his needs become one. And, um, and our reading tomorrow will make that clear that um, 
the restoration of the love relationship between the Son of God and His Father and all creation is the ultimate answer uh, to the whole sense of lack. And um, and when he talks about, you know, I was a man who remembered this the soul and its knowledge. As a man, I did not try to correct error from the top down so much as to correct it from the bottom up. Uh, that's what he's talking about. That it's a stepwise progression. Uh, this healing of the mind. Um, and and the becoming of one in oneself, as well as one in relationship with the Father and the Son, that stepwise being um, uh, the surrendering of my illusions. Um, indeed, the Holy Instant can answer everything in a moment of revelation. Everything can be corrected all at once. But in meeting uh, the moments of life and... Um, and the situations into which we're led, and the people with whom we uh, share our time. Um, there are many illusions, it seems, that have to be uh, corrected uh, before unity becomes a living experience. At least um, it seemed to have taken time for me. <laughs> and that's not a mistake. That's not a mistake because every collapse of time with every individual uh, as we recognize our unity ripples throughout the sunshine um, until that moment all minds are one. It's not a mistake. It's a glorious walk. And I think that's what our Father is leading us towards through this Course in Miracles. And that's where I want to end my share today. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, sure, love you guys. We still have time <laughs> for anyone who hasn't had a chance to share. I'd love to hear you. Thank you so much, Lori. You. Your shares are always so helpful, and your service is so indispensable. Um, this is Jessica, and I just wanted to say that <laughs> I I really like. I mean, I like everything, of course, about this reading and the whole book and the whole course. The miracle, uh, in, in paragraph 83, uh, halfway down, he's talking about the miracle, and he says, it substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. And, you know, he's such a master at saying, at the way he expresses what he's trying to say. I mean, this book could have been way longer if he hadn't been so concise. And he had a, he has a, had a lot, has a lot to tell us. And here, you know, it's just like... Um, the miracle rests on the fact that we have perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver. That is what the miracle is. You know, so it's like, 
that is most of what the miracle is, I think. I, 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 again, of course, I don't really know. There's a lot I don't know, but we, I feel it as this beautiful opening when the, when the miracle happens, the love is exchanged in this space of perfect equality and holiness. And I'm sure everyone on the call knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Jessica, for bringing out that paragraph. It's a whole course in a sentence, isn't it? Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jessica. It is a beautiful opening. Yeah, I just, um, looking at, you know, this idea that it takes time to perfect what's already perfected is um, a fundamental mistaken belief that I used to carry, um, that heaven is here and now. And, and the atonement really is about a complete lack of concern with the past, where the children of God forgot to laugh, that we could be separate from God, and that without um, any concern about the future, that we have no needs, or there are no needs, because we've never been separate from God, and that God, when he gave us himself in our creation, that we have no needs or wants, and all of that is a part of the mistaken um, sense of self-appraisal, of being in the body and being in the world. And to, to look at the whole of it is to see the whole of it. And to understand totally is to understand the totality of the error that happened when we fell into the body and perceive, became perceivers of things outside of ourselves, the world outside of ourselves. That, that is the dream. That's the way the Course describes the dream, that we needed an instrument of perception, so we, we wanted different levels of perception. We needed the body to, in order to perceive the different levels. But that doesn't negate the fact that we could never be separate from God. We could never, we could never ever be less than he created us to be. We can think we are, but that's... that's what the Course has taught me, that I'm not less than God created me. I'm not little and I'm not limited and I'm not small. That I have Christ consciousness. And that is the whole mind in the service of the Spirit that knows, that knows and is not divided. It's completely undivided. Where oneness reigns, where truth reigns. And where I can see through the eyes of Christ and hear the voice of God that never left me. But I just, you know, and listening to the, to the ego's voice, the little mini-me is where it became obscured and, and, and um, silent because I wasn't listening to it anymore. So what's always, here, always already here and now, 
um, I don't have to go anywhere or do anything or become any different. I just have to let go of what I'm not, the false beliefs in what I think I am. So, the um, you know, the miracles are are a means that won't be needed when, you know, learning, as the Course describes it, is unlearning what the world has taught me. And um, that there, it doesn't take any time at all to be restored to the mind of God because I never left it. And um, there's no difference at all between one holy instant and eternity. So that's all, folks. Thanks. Thanks, Jude. Thanks, okay. Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. I'm gonna end. Oh, I'm sorry. What's somebody about to share? Uh, I think you yeah. were. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy was. Both of us. Go, oh, Wendy. <laughs> Go for it, oh, Harrison. This whole idea of time is kind of fascinating to me, the way the Course talks about time. Um, Because I thought for most of my life that um, if I were to achieve salvation, it was going to take a long time. <laughs> I was going to have to die to receive the, the fruits uh, of salvation. Uh, and uh, when he talks about time here uh, he really uh, uh, puts to rest any thought that uh, it takes time for me to come to a realization of the truth of who I am and uh, uh, he uh, talks about how the miracle uh, collapses time. And by collapsing time, it literally saves time. And he makes a reference to uh, daylight saving time, and I've always been fascinated by the idea that you could change time simply by deciding to do so. Uh, I can say, uh, yeah. Uh, it looks like it's 11 o'clock, or the clock tells me it's 11 o'clock. Uh, I can decide 
that it's 10 o'clock. And if I can decide that, I can decide that it's 12 or 1 or whatever I choose the time to be. And so, with the miracle, uh, it basically tells me there is no such thing as time. It doesn't exist. And with that goes my whole understanding of this world that I have created uh, based on my decisions, my judgments. The miracle is the only device which man has at his disposal, immediate disposal, for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. What revelation says to me is there is no time that never was in time. You never existed as as a body. And that idea may seem far out. And when we're dealing with issues having to do with the body, and when you get my age, those issues become very apparent. What I'm realizing is that the body is not me. The body is not who I am. And therefore, all of the afflictions of the body are occurring in another dimension. Not having to do with my reality at all. I'm complete. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. That was it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Wendy? Um... I'll I'll save my share for the uh, after call. We're having an after call. Okay. Okay, thanks. Oh, sure. All right. Hi, Wendy. Hi, everybody. Um, Hi, Ida. So, hi. 
Um, that's one of my favorite subjects, traditionally, which is time. <laughs> the illusion of time and space. But the thing is, is God created the Holy Spirit, I say as, but not when, because as soon as we thought of the separation in that same instant, God created the Holy Spirit, I believe. God inserted the Holy Spirit, not say he or she, right? Because, no gender, but God inserted the Holy Spirit into all of time and all of space, I believe, that it's more than just this planet, but the entire shebang, the entire cosmos. And, uh, you know, why would we be the only ones or why would anybody be left out, right? And um, so, you know, which kind of begs the question, well, how did God know how much time it would take to for us to get back to God, you know? And my answer is God didn't necessarily know that, but God was able to insert the Holy Spirit into all time and space anyway, however long it takes. And however far we have to travel or whatever to think that, to get it, to, to, <clears throat> um, and ETs have said that we are the least enlightened planet in this universe. <laughs> Which I think obviously is so funny, but they said that that's because we were messed with so much. Our DNA was disconnected and all these things, we were genetically altered and stuff by beings from other places who had more intelligence, smart mental intelligence that we did, but less love. Because they weren't allowed, that was wrong for them to do that. They weren't allowed to do that. That was goes against universal law, but they did it anyway. But we have to forgive, right? Take a breath, Ida. So, um, so God inserted the Holy Spirit into all of time and space, so that, and then have the principle of miracles, so we can save time. So that just shows you what kind of illusion it is, because if a miracle can just simply adjust time. And I'm sure we've all had unitary uh, moments where we feel the oneness, where we feel, we have the experience that the universe is all in my mind and you are all in my mind. And that's real, but it doesn't have to involve time and space. So anyway, before I really start to ramble, I better stop. This share. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for hearing me and, and bearing with me. And again, bearing and hearing both have the E A R in them. It's, it's all similar. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'm thank complete. You. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Love your humor. Thank you, Ida. You too. Thank now, you, Ida. I'll have what you're having. So I will learn that time and space are both the same illusion. Um, any final shares? 
Well, <coughs> excuse me, I was, I was given two things from Spirit this morning about time. Now, one was, I had to look it up in chapter 28, uh, where he says, miracles are the result. Miracles are the result. When you do not insist on seeing, when you do not insist on seeing in the gap what is not there. Miracles are the result when you do not insist on seeing in the gap what is not there. And and I like that. I like that he gave me that because uh, today's lesson, I see nothing as it is now. Uh, he reminds me that my choice is not to see past or present, but the real choice is to see or not see. And uh, to see or not see involves the release of that idea of a gap between my mind and yours. He goes on to talk about it in chapter 5, in time and eternity. (coughs) Time and eternity uh, seem to be two different ideas. Uh, but in point of fact, eternity is always now. So the other thing he gave me about this in time and eternity is this paragraph. Your patience with each other is your patience with yourselves. <laughs> is not a child of God worth patience? I have shown you infinite patience because my will is that of our Father from whom... I learned of infinite patience. His voice was in me as it is in you, speaking for patience toward the sonship in the name of its creator. What you need to learn now is only that infinite patience, infinite patience can produce immediate effects. That right there is a miracle. This is the way in which time is exchanged for eternity. Infinite patience calls upon infinite love. And by producing results now, it renders time unnecessary. Uh, That's the uh, essential content of today's lessons, today's reading, and and the shares that we... um, laid out for each other. So I'm so grateful. Thank you, everyone, uh, for joining, for reading, for uh, giving these beautiful ideas based in your minds. I'll end the recording, but not